0: They threw you out of work. Reagan and his puppets were prepared. In San Francisco alone. since Reagan got in, his ally Mayor Feinstein has hired 250 more cops. We have nothing better to do. the shit out of people. The Sound of Music on Broadway. wherever they sit down and plan out their little rumbles. They're still planning for the big one. 49er fans were good practice. They're waiting when people starve. They line up along Market Street
1: and flash
0: away.
2: soft podcast episode number 12 we have some friends here today i guess you could call them friends uh justin how's it going
0: oh. hi steven <laughs> i'm your i'm your friend i think oh,
2: yeah, good. hey brandon how are you
3: hey steven I, I would i would call us frenemies
2: yes that's a good word for it
3: <laughs> and hi oh, <laughs> see
4: how do you do i guess we're friends she so,
2: knows who i was referring to <laughs> uh, wait, uh, <laughs>
0: Quick, quick, little bit of a on-air production here. I did hear some feedback that regarding your frenemy situation, that your guys's awkward like beef about the van on that one episode is some people's favorite part.
3: Wow, nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, nice
0: <not>. mate sellers. <laughs> He's like, I really. Mate. He's like, I enjoy the I enjoy the show. I really like having Brandon on. I think the reser placeholder van beef was my favorite part. That's <laughs> it's good. juicy.
3: <laughs> I, I feel i feel like we uh we missed our calling reservoir and placeholder should have got very big and we could have been like those beefing bands and oh, it would have been, back- yeah, been it would have played yeah it would have been it played it would have played very well out on twitter us fighting back and forth for like 25 years
2: yeah i'm not a good tweeter though
3: or... if you weren't a popular band you'd be a good tweeter that's true that's maybe so, why we weren't so <laughs> yeah, when exactly
0: so when you mentioned that, the feuding bands I thought of were Taken Back Sunday and Brand New. Um, yeah. Do you remember, they famously had a beef. Does that's everyone where know about I that? Um, I guess I was wondering, do any of you think that that would have happened if the internet was as advanced as it is, or would it be two tweets and over? Because I feel like it's it lingered and languished on like weird message boards with rumors and stuff. Does everybody remember that?
3: Yeah. I mean, I feel like if it happened now, like they would both be called out, like, immediately for being, like, <laughs> microaggressive and stuff like that. Like, that, like, beef would not be able to continue because it was so petty and it was so stupid. Like, it just wouldn't happen right now.
0: It was over, like, a a sister being a girlfriend or a girlfriend being a sister or something like that, right?
3: Something like that. I, it was, like, what didn't, didn't the Jesse Lacey dude sleep with someone... I, Who knows what
4: happened. I don't even know why I'm talking. I
3: think I said on an episode.
0: (laughs) Sorry, go ahead, Brandon. Uh, I mean, MC.
4: I think I said on an episode that everyone's got a secret sister they want to, they hide from their friends so their friends don't fuck her. And maybe that guy just should have been better at keeping his sister a secret.
0: uh, secret sister is a great band name
3: yeah that is an awesome (laughs) oh well just you have a topic this week right
0: i had one yeah brandon i didn't know you were going to be on tonight or else i would have texted you to prepare i
3: didn't i didn't know i was going to be on until like 45 minutes ago
0: well maybe you'll be able to think of this i texted the guys and i asked them to make a list of whose car horn is that yeah what's that's I somebody outside my house. Ah, oh, okay. I thought it was Steven's child, like, like a car horn. Um, like stealing it, the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. But I, t- ah! <laughs> I, texted, I texted the guys and told them I wanted to talk about um, musical pet peeves, things that bands do that you hate, and maybe an exception to one or two of them. And I told them that I had three off the top of my head oh, okay. that I think about all the time uh steven or mc did you guys think of a list
2: i was gonna say brandon you're not far behind this while justin did tell me to think about that i didn't um
4: Uh, are we talking like live like things bands do live that are annoying
0: so so i'll i'll go with my first one and then we can go around robin style and you'll get the example so mine is lead singing drummers i feel like that's low hanging fruit
4: oh yeah that's annoying but i I hate it
0: but i hate it but i think that my uh Exception is I really like the Ergs, so Mikey Erg is the exception, I guess. And I really thought this would be more riveting conversation. This is me just reading the answers to a test in front of the class. (laughs) This is terrible. I mean,
2: no, that's not a bet. I my exception would be Three Doors Down.
0: Does that is that drummer the lead singer?
3: No, first record he was. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, I didn't know that either. Interesting. I would say my biggest pet peeve live is oh yeah
0: like, you should have a bunch
3: is uh, the 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 lead singers um, move the fuck up or come closer or, or you know like they're basically just a lead singer talking in between songs like if you're not funny or not like engaging otherwise and the only thing you're saying is move up go hard on this part or there's merch in the back. Like that's like the most annoying thing. I'll hate your band. No matter how good you are.
0: There have been multiple. To be, multiple f- to be fair. Some shows. of those
4: things you have to say like, Hey, we got merch in the back. But Everyone got- knows you have merch
3: in the back. Yeah. <laughs> like, like- no, no one's confused that there's like, Oh shit. There's a merch table. <laughs>
4: It, it's one of those things like I think if it's like one of those things you just check it off the list in between songs when there's like a break in the set and somebody's tuning. You're like, hey, we got merch back. That'd be cool if you checked it out. But it's the person that rags on it like in
3: between every song. Oh, yeah. I think it's kind of like akin to like saying excuse me after you burp. Like it's not necessary. <laughs> it's a
2: filler. it's and, a Yeah, filler.
3: it's like, oh, I did something and here's the, the moment where I should probably say like something. It's just, we get it, man. Like, there's merch in the back. Like, no one, we know. Everyone knows you have a t shirt.
0: So, we were always the opposite because I hated talking in between songs. And there have been multiple. You guys
3: recipes. sold a shit ton of merch.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there have been a bunch. There have been a handful of shows where either Steven or Josh has, like, because Andy's not close to me on stage, he's always on the other side. I doubt yeah. he would do the same way. But either Steven or Josh would lean in and go, Hey, before we start, like tell everybody move up. I go, Yeah, okay, I will. And then I don't at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I should
3: I should like mention that I am very guilty of like that as well. Like that's all the shit that I would say because no one really liked my band. So you're just like always saying like, hey, move up or like, come on, get involved, or there's merch in the back. I'd say all that, that shit. And, like, the, I think the most fucked up thing, and this is how, like, disingenuous like, being in your early 20s and in a band is, is, like, you have, like, some, like, emotional speech. It's like, you know, we all came here together for DIY, and, like, we're so happy to, like, be in this place. We got merch in the back. <laughs> <laughs> so, you so
0: know, there was a point in Submarine Screen Door where I wanted us to be a political band instead of just skateboard songs. And yeah. it it was when I got to college, and I was taking like classes about things around the world and opening my eyes to other issues, right? So I had this class mm-hmm. that that talked a lot about the Coney 2012 like child soldiering thing. So I wrote a song yeah. about the child soldier thing, and had this like little bit of talking prepared, and I said this impassioned thing about how like this song is about how children are snatched from their homes and blah, 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 et cetera, for like a while. And no one in the band knew I was doing that. And Joe Amsterdam leans forward in the drum kit and goes, you practice that in the mirror. <laughs> like in, the of the,
1: in the middle of the show, in front of
0: everybody. <laughs> And I oh, never, that's so I never again talked in between songs ever. So I just,
2: as far as, <laughs> as, far as Brandon's point goes, I think I'm okay with bands saying at the beginning of the set, Hey, everyone move up because sometimes it takes that to get like, Hey, we're playing, you know, that kind of thing. But there's yeah. a difference between that and the band that's like, move the fuck up. Like fuck hit someone like, motherfucker. Come <laughs> all, motherfuckers.
4: It's time to break <laughs> some faces,
2: get up here. But I also see how it's also like, okay, well, maybe they don't watch your fucking band, dude. So maybe shut up. I don't know. But for me, make watch it because I'm here and you should
4: have, because I'm
0: cool. Have you guys ever been one of like five people in a crowd when a band has done that?
4: Oh, God, yeah.
0: Yeah, it <laughs> sucks. <laughs> it's, yeah. So, it's so terrible. Like most of the time <laughs> I look at Lois, I go – so you wanna you wanna go? <laughs>
3: doing doing like doing all these like you know DIY shows in like your basement or like you know the warehouses and shit that I've done, and you're like you are literally like one of like five people there. You book the show and like the band is like thanks so much to Brandon for making this all possible. It's like what did i do (laughs) like there's no one here
0: (laughs) meanwhile you're upstairs stirring the vegan chili and you're not even downstairs (laughs) at the well you you said you were at our second house brandon at the chicken coop the kitchen opened onto the garage so there there were shows where the banter and laughter from the kitchen through the door were louder than the acoustic band Oh, absolutely (laughs) and it was horrendously awkward
3: I I love that shit, like, playing, like, Philly house shows, and you could hear the crowd outside in the backyard while your band was playing. (laughs) It was, like, so, so loud, people (laughs) having fun, and there's, like, four people in this, like, this dingy basement, and, like, everyone's having a good time outside drinking, and you're just like, well, I guess we're going to play six songs. (laughs) It sucks so bad.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. That really is the epitome of at least the level of philadelphia shows we always play
4: yeah Yeah. that's philadelphia house shows to a t
0: i get bamboozled by it every time we're there and there's like a hundred people in this house i'm like this is gonna be great and then two people watch you
3: (laughs) oh yeah dude I, i i kind of just felt like um you know if there's a lot of people at the house show no one's gonna like your band like, yeah. that's just, I think that's just the way it is. Like, if there's like a hundred people there, they just won't like your band because they're not there to see you. Right. I'll tell you who
4: always likes your band at the Philly house show. It's the next band that needs to use your equipment. They love your band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: They love your band. <laughs> oh,
0: there, there was a recent, there was a recent hard times article that was something like, Screamo band finally perfects tone with next band's gear (laughs) (laughs) or or something like that. I was laughing so hard. I used to like
3: being on tour and like the local band would ask you for gear. It was just like, how, how is this happening? How do you not have a drum set? Like
0: I used to be the chummy dummy and like lend my stuff out all the time. And then some young kid borrowed my basement and, uh, and asked me, like what a standby switch was, <laughs> and I was like, "No, we're done. <laughs> I'm over this. I'm completely done with this."
2: Okay, mine was local bands asking you to borrow equipment while on
3: tour. Also, oh damn! Sorry.
2: No, that's okay. I also have another one. We're just we're just
3: we're just riffing here because you're like, like absent.
2: No, yeah. that's a, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, my other one is. Um, Oh, when bands don't feedback between songs.
0: <laughs> when they don't? <laughs> when they
2: don't?
4: Yeah. Oh, my oh, yeah, when it just cuts to dead silence. And then, and then you just hear shuffling, and then... Yeah.
0: <laughs> that was like our trademark.
2: Yeah, I know. I would get mad and say, <laughs> why do you keep cutting off your feedback? It's so awkward. I'd be like, Andy, can you please ring out after this to the next song? Then we'd go... Eh. And then shuffle, shuffle, heavy breathing no one <laughs> says anything not even i that, hey, there's birch in the back
0: you know in hindsight I kinda, <laughs> no, no. in <laughs> hindsight i kind of love that i
3: thought no. that was cool like some some bands did that really well like that what's that one band um daylight well then they turned into super heaven and oh, they God. just wouldn't they just wouldn't say anything in the middle of a song it would be like three minutes of like tuning And just, like, this awkward silence. I thought that that was awesome. so stupid. And you know they planned it. I thought it was sick. Yo, we're going to be so quiet. And everyone's going to be like, yo, why are they
2: so quiet? Maybe one day someone will talk about it on a podcast.
0: (laughs) I so badly wanted Reservoir to come off mysterious. I'm just glad that we can write a set list where
4: we have, like, three breaks and, like, run the songs in between the breaks and just have, like, three random spots where, like, I know my speech is, this time I say this, this time I say this, the last time I say, hey, thanks, guys, we have three more songs, merch is in the back, typical you know, BS, and it's over, and I don't have to be like on the fly until randomly somebody does something stupid, and we have to stop in between songs we're not supposed to, and then Mitch starts talking, and then our set's 50 minutes.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: Sorry, Mitch, I love you.
0: I put that
4: thing on my head, and then it was just weird.
0: <laughs> yes. Well,
2: that, that's it. I don't have any more for that story.
0: What, what uh, did you I get? have? So thing
4: that. on my head, and it was just weird. Yeah, that messed up the whole set.
0: Yeah, what did you get put on your head?
4: <laughs> I forget. like an animal sculpture. This, yeah, it was some random thing. It was. I I don't know what to say more than it was a random thing and it was weird. I. Yeah, it was some artistic thing. I don't know. There they like should have put things like there. that around us.
0: I was gonna say that. Uh, This isn't totally related, but now I'm thinking about Stephen, like, making sets weird. And I, uh, we played in Connecticut one time, and there's, like, a break in one of the songs, and Stephen told me he was going to stand up and clap, like, in whatever the break of the song was. I don't remember what song it is, but Stephen's like, Oh, I'm going to get up and we're going to get the crowd clapping because nobody was there. (laughs) And and I'm like, ah oh, God, please don't. And we got to this part, like three quarters of the way through the set, and I turn around to look for Steven Clapping to glare at him. And Steven's gone. And the <laughs> and the Cole from the World's a Beautiful Place is behind the drum kit. And my face just like drained and my eyes like got huge. I was like, Well, this is <laughs> this is ruined. This is over. Oh yeah, you guys were real upset about that. That was funny. <laughs> it was not funny.
4: <laughs> I think it's funny hearing it like secondhand years later.
0: Yeah, like three or four years late, later, it's funnier than it was. I was terrified for a brief moment. That was also so, the
2: night that they blew out Josh's base cap. Yeah,
0: yeah. But Josh, Josh blew out Josh's base cap.
4: Josh two blew out Josh one's base cap. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So you one know of that... my, sorry, I'm I'm gonna cut in here. One of my big pet peeves is especially being in a band and knowing things like being in a band. I think you're a little more aware of when a band fucks up than not being in a band. And then immediately you're like, as soon as the song's over, if the drummer fucked up, they're fiddling with their drums. Like it's because it, the, the snare was off just an inch or like, Oh, I got to fuck with my pedals. Cause my tone wasn't right. That's why it sounded wrong. Like, dude, just keep moving. Maybe that's just from people I've been in bands with too, but like, we're all guilty of it. One time I saw a band do a break stuff cover and fuck
2: it up halfway through and restart from the beginning.
4: Was (laughs) that (laughs) at the Halloween show?
2: No, no. This was on tour and reignition in Salt Lake City. Oh god.
0: I I was gonna say a new one of mine is and this is being in a band that stops when they fuck up a song. Like just keep it moving. Like don't stop the song like don't under any circumstances stop the song.
3: Do any do any bands that are like you know old do that though? Like I feel like that's like a very like distinct like high school kind of tactic.
0: I don't know. I guess it. I don't think I've ever seen bad.
3: a band at a show stop and start the song over again. Um, I mean oh. I know Steven just said he did, but I've never I've like no, literally they were never young, seen
2: that. They were a younger band,
3: so
4: you're yeah. Right.
3: I've seen a lot of younger bands do it, and. It is cringy, but yeah. I mean, I think that they're so like, you know, we got to make this song right and got it's got to be perfect as opposed to like they're just like, I don't think anyone really actually knows that you're making a mistake, to be honest.
1: Ooh, cool. Unless, unless cool. it's
3: you know, Olympus cover and you completely fucked it up.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I have one, I have one. Uh, bands doing pop song covers
0: like turning them heavy. Didn't so H2O cover
4: Madonna in <laughs> on one of their records?
3: I mean, Jesus that's Christ! Stupid. I don't know. I just don't like that.
0: Now I'm trying. This to used to be
3: a, like a more prevalent thing before before getting tuning tuning pedals was cool. Like bands like tuning their instruments by ear live. Oh, it's annoying. Yeah, like
4: dude, get your A string. No, dude,
0: get your A string. No, you know the second one. Yeah. And you get the one Yo, kid who it, learned get your, how to... It, <laughs> yeah. You get the one kid that learned how to harmonic tune, like, in lessons. So he's like... Bing, bing. Yeah. Bing, bing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for God's sake, if younger bands are listening, if you set up your equipment first, that is not a license to noodle until everyone else has theirs set up. Jesus Christ. That's one oh of mine, too. Yeah. Yeah, that,
4: that's yeah. a that's an
2: the, annoying one the non drummer or guitarist or whatever like whatever you do at practice whatever but at a show when like like
1: <laughs> mitch
2: <laughs> um
4: <laughs> oh man we're sitting on mitch a lot <laughs> <laughs> Fucking
2: get behind the drums and starts playing the drums and i'm like buddy don't like don't.
3: i, I was in, I, felt- I was in a very like pissy mood one time at a show and there was a local on like you know, some whatever shitty touring show or whatever, but the one local band and they get there like at six o'clock for seven o'clock doors and they get set up, do a sound check. And it's like six 45, 15 minutes before the doors. And it's just been like an awful day for me. And like this local band, the drummer is just like, like in an empty room and i was just like shut up he's like i'm just practicing and i was like you should have fucking learned the song before the show he's like
4: sorry yeah guess what buddy if you need to practice they make something called a practice pad go sit in the back and beat on a fucking rubber mat that no one else can hear
0: so so i uh i filled in on base for Sluggernaut last year at the coal mine tap room in uh, uh, Pottsville. and
4: Oh my God, that place just sounds like a story. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it does. So they're one of those bars that are like, oh, no one's here and we're open to like four, so let's just push the gig back an hour. So the first band is set up and they push this back because there aren't enough people there. And you can tell that the high school kids in the first band loaded in, went to a different area, took the undershirts off underneath their leather jackets so they were shirtless under their leather jackets, and then came back and were told, hey, you need to wait an hour. So this kid with long hair sits on his combo amp with no shirt under his leather jacket and just Guitar Center style like metal noodles (laughs) for the entire hour. And all of is and Lois is sitting at the bar and facing him drinking just <laughs> and Floyd's just like this is stupid <laughs> like, the whole, like the whole time he's like knock it off like,
4: I think yeah. at that point you're allowed to do like a Blues Brothers and just start throwing things at him
0: I think so it was horrible
2: hey um, we did have homework Um my guess is Big B hasn't listened because he probably doesn't like this band uh,
3: but it was the two new Strike Anywhere songs I didn't sorry if you would tell me, you know, like when you invite me to this stuff, like, "Hey, listen to this," and you know, well,
2: everyone forgot about this. I just remembered it now. That's coming we, in here, cold, I was recording for I feel it like in the video. past couple of
4: weeks.
0: Oh. Well, we skipped over the homework of that Dropkick Murphy song. I didn't listen to that either. <laughs>
4: yeah, No, I didn't either. Fuck that song.
0: Is it Mick? Mick Jones stole my pudding or some shit? <laughs> 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 I'm not. Brad, Brad, it's not a joke. That's the name. <laughs> Is that the name of
3: the song?
0: Hold on, hold on. Yeah, yeah, Mick Jones nicked my
3: pudding. Mick Jones nicked my pudding. Right there it is. Oh, Mick Jones nicked my pudding. Oh, my lord. (laughs) (laughs) What is wrong with this band? I was born in Boston. On the docks I was raised. Do, 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 do. I, like, I man, worked I've, my <laughs> asshole and I earned my pay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could be an Irish punk band. <laughs> can,
0: can we start the Dropkick Murphys, you guys? <laughs> yeah. I feel like we shit on them a, an unproportional amount. Like, every episode they come up and we're all like, oh, God, no. There well, there guys,
4: I, I already have an Irish name, Mick Heiser, so, like, It, it works. <laughs> That is what my mom calls you. I know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, Lutzy, what would you think of the Strike Anywhere songs?
0: I thought they were great. Um, the first one, I don't remember the names of them. One of them sounded Exit English style, Super Fast and Mad, and then the other one sounded Dead FM, Sing along and they were both great.
3: Yeah. Dress the
4: Wounds is the one song. Yeah, mm-hmm. Dress the Wounds is the faster song
0: it was really good they put it out on pure noise yeah
2: they're they have an lp coming out on it oh
0: wow it's an lp or an ep
4: they have a it looks like a full length no it's uh, like seven songs
0: yeah i That's thought so. full length might be a, <laughs> it's a reservoir full length not a straight anywhere full length it's a metallica full length yeah
2: Okay, if that's not a full length, then I've chode.
0: I was just, I was,
3: uh.
0: I was just having a conversation today speaking of Metallica. I don't know if you guys did this, but when I was a child and first trying to discover bands, and they had a vast discography, I would pick whichever record had the most songs on it to get like the most bang for my buck. So, by that logic, I ended up with the bad Metallica records first. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. mm. Hell yeah, i did that i did actually that same thing with uh with corn and yeah. i picked up follow the leader and i don't know if you guys ever gotten to corn but like the first 13 songs on the record are blank oh so like i listened to like 13 songs worth of like dead air and like <laughs> thought i had like like a broken you know a broken a broken cd if you will
0: I did. Oh, they, for, they forgot to the press. This one. <laughs>
3: <laughs> this one's super rare because there's nothing on it. But yeah, the the first half of like that "Follow the Leader" record is like dead air. I
2: remember, remember? buying issues by Corn, and there were different CD covers, and I wanted to catch them all.
3: Yeah, they had I'm their fans. Say... They had their fans draw. They were. Like, yeah. It was one of the sourced like. Oh. Yeah, that yeah, was pretty oh. cool. Korn's pretty sick, guys.
4: <laughs> I'm going to throw out a pet peeve here. And okay. it is all that dead space that bands used to do on CDs to try to be like clever or hide a hidden song or like put like 19 tracks of dead air at the end of an album and then a hidden track. Like, yeah. It was so annoying.
0: Let's, did you guys That's have uh, pet peeves? Did did you guys have the boom boxes that when you would load a CD and it didn't quite know, like, finish reading it yet, it would put 99 tracks up if you hit backwards? Yes. Um, I used to do – the first couple times that happened, I was like, whoa, there must be so much extra stuff on this. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I
3: would have known you as a kid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You probably would have been – Really sassy to me.
3: I probably would have been. Yeah, you're right. <laughs>
0: I didn't want to say you'd be mean to me, because that's not fair. You might not have been, but...
3: I was a really nice kid.
0: I was um, a sensitive... Maybe,
3: sensi- maybe I could have been your friend.
0: I was a sensitive know. kid, much like I'm a sensitive adult.
3: I didn't get that from you. I didn't know you were sensitive. No? <laughs> that was a joke.
0: <laughs> All right. I got it, you're a horse's ass Woo.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> So I didn't listen to those Strike Anywhere songs But They're probably pretty good
4: Yeah, they're good Yeah, political political I mean they, they fall right in line with what they've always done And like Justin said, one reminds me of newer Strike Anywhere and One reminds me of older Strike Anywhere Especially like the guitar strumming patterns Like the like Kind of stuff that they always did it's right up. If you like Strike Anywhere, it's exactly what you were hoping to hear from them after all these years. And boy, is a new Strike Anywhere album timely with everything going on in the world.
0: Yeah, 10 years. 10, ten years since their last one?
4: Yeah.
0: Holy wow. fuck. Iron, Iron Front was in 2010, 9? Holy shit. Sure. I didn't realize. Wow, didn't, I didn't they realize. do. Didn't they
4: do one of those weird, like, acoustic versions albums?
0: I believe they I believe they did. Like, oh, uh, really? Oh, oh yeah. It,
4: look, they have Chorus. a live
2: album. It's just a live album.
0: I thought maybe then there's, like, an acoustic chunk to it at the end. There's something, MC, you're not wrong.
3: They did um, in, in Defiance of Empty Times. Yeah, that's the live one. That's 2012. Yeah. And then Iron Front in 2009.
0: Huh. Maybe there's a chunk of acoustic songs on the live record. You're a
3: chunk? I, I think there are. Because
4: I remember live, hearing acoustic live. versions.
0: Riveting audio where we all look at Spotify to corroborate our Strike Anywhere stories.
4: I am not looking at Spotify. I am winging it I'm, by I'm looking ego. at Spotify. I'm looking at fucking Spotify. I
0: don't like being wrong. All right, yeah. without further ado, let's go to the interview of Mike Riley from Pulling Teeth in the Spark.
2: All right, uh, we have Mike Riley from Pulling Teeth and The Spark that we'll talk about a little bit. Mike, what we usually do is we try and kind of start back as far as we can and go back to how you found underground music, whether that be um, punk and hardcore, or whether it was your first time hearing uh, Corner Limp Bizkit.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Or based on your age, like Metallica. Yeah. <laughs> Well,
2: let's not compare Metallica uh, to Corn and biscuit.
4: Uh, I mean, we can compare Load to Corn and biscuit, but like, let's be honest, like I think Mike, that's you're fair. how? Mike, you're forty-four, late thirties, early forties. Okay, so you're more my yeah. age than these guys' age. They're a little bit younger than me. So, like, yeah, Corn and biscuit isn't going to be how you found music. It's going to be more like, oh, I heard Megadeth and Metallica and Slayer in the
1: '80s uh, or not, uh, early '90s. That's true. So. For me, it was this, – this is a little bit the opposite because usually it's, like, the big brother or something that has the connection. Right. Um, but I, I'm, I'm the big brother. Um, but my younger brother, Steve, he had a friend who had an older brother. Uh, and that older brother made a tape with um, – it was, like, sex pistols on one side and I want to say dead Kennedys on the other if I remember – Nice. And I was like, I was in, was I even in high school yet? Uh, maybe like eighth or ninth grade. And uh, I wasn't, like, I'd never heard anything like that. I was listening to, like, Warrant and Firehouse and, uh, you know, whatever the fucking hair metal was of the time. And, uh, and my brother brought this tape home, and I thought it was, I just thought it was wild. You know, it's nothing like I'd ever heard before and uh you know it intrigued me but not enough to kind of like keep digging at the time and then in high school I guess it was my sophomore year of high school so at that time I was listening to like uh was I listening to my sophomore year of high school probably like whatever whatever rap was big at the time probably and then still some of that hair metal whatever was on the radio happening and then uh I had, a, like, a snowboarder magazine on my desk. This was a math class, and uh, I was flipping through that before class started. And then this kid that sat in front of me turned around. He's like, oh, you snowboard? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I kind of just got into it recently. And he's like, cool, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about trying it. I, you know, I skate, but, uh, you know, I haven't tried snowboarding yet. I was like, yeah, that's cool. I'm like, I actually, you know, haven't gotten into skating at all, um, but somehow, you know, went from skiing to snowboarding. So we became friends. And you know, I started like skating with him and his friends <clears throat> and you know, they were all, you know, this was 92, 93. So, and they were all into like, you know, the straight edge hardcore at the time, mostly victory record stuff. And so they introduced me to like my first actual like hardcore stuff. Which was Where were you crazy. living at this time? I grew up in New Jersey, in central New Jersey, uh Hunterdon County. So okay. this was Flemington. And, uh, so, yeah, through them, I got into, like, you know, Earth Crisis and, and Snapcase and, uh, you know, all the, all the sort of victory records, metal mosh course and stuff at the time. And then that, like, same year, I also met this guy, Eric Raymond, who introduced me to, um, like, Sick of It All, and he introduced me, to like, the first, the first Tool EP, that Opium EP. And then uh, Muddy Muddy Boston's don't know how to party as well. Um, I don't know if these are all exactly at the same timeline, same year, but it was around the same time. And so yeah, he took me to my that guy Eric took me to my first like not arena show, and that was uh, Muddy Muddy Boston's at City Gardens on the How to Party tour. That's pretty yeah. awesome. Uh, that was my my first stage dive was at that show, and I was pretty much all in from there on. From there on, was it a good stage dive? Uh, I, I highly doubt it. I was, you know, <laughs> know high school stage, um, and yeah, probably no style whatsoever. <laughs> I feel like the best stage dives have
4: no style whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> the fish out of water.
1: <laughs> I like I I, I was, uh, like those early this is hardcores where where. Where Joe would give a thumbs up or a thumbs down, or <laughs> one year even had like even had like number cards, you know, <laughs> rating people's dives. I appreciate I mean, that because uh, yeah, I appreciate a good style, stylish, stylish stage dive. <laughs> I
4: believe that as long as people catch you, you've won. <laughs>
1: sure, it's yeah. at, at least a at least a four or a five at, at, at that
4: point. Yeah, exactly. That I've seen people lot, try to man. stage dive and just all but hit. The, Floor and nothing else.
1: I'll tell you, there's nothing worse than there's nothing worse than those people that have to have to encourage people to come up and catch them, you know they just kind of hang out there for a few seconds. Like, come on, guys! No, dude, no. no.
0: <laughs> my my first stage dive, I tripped on a monitor and just face planted into the crap.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there before.
2: MC, do you remember your first stage dive?
4: I don't remember my first stage dive but i do remember my most recent and at the age of 39 stage dive is a much riskier business <laughs> than it is when you're like 22
1: oh absolutely, absolutely. you know i uh, trying to think my last one it's definitely been you know in my 40s for sure trying to think if it's uh been since i've been out here in colorado um uh and I'm, I can't think of any right now, so maybe not.
2: I know my last one was at the Hot Water Show last April, for yeah, sure. Me too. There you <laughs> go. I think my first one was at the First Step at the Champ. Nice.
1: <laughs> Gorilla biscuits were supposed to were supposed to come through. Um, definitely would have, definitely would have kept it going there. Uh, As yeah. a 44-year-old, but I got uh, unfortunately, because of the world we are living currently, that uh, it got canceled. I got yeah, kicked been... out of the show in
4: Harrisburg when the the Jerry-only Misfits played probably 10 years ago now. I got kicked out for stage diving because that was a hard no, and I did it, and they, the bouncer was like, you're not allowed to do that. It's against blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, whatever. They're playing my favorite song. I'm going to do it again. And I did it, <laughs> and they were just like, you got to go. It didn't matter that it was in oh. the band that opened for the Misfits. They tossed me.
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you guys ever uh you guys ever went to the black cat in dc but you know there was hard notes oh yeah that there. so there was always like you, could, you know literally every show that if it was a you know a punk or hardcore band it was the last song everybody was stage driving because yeah. you know it didn't matter if they yeah. got kicked out it was the last song yeah <laughs> it's the whole like
4: storm area 51 that they can't they can't arrest us all. If everyone's is you, <laughs> you can't kick us all out. <laughs> There's that, too, for sure.
2: So when did um, you start The Spark, then? How did you meet those guys?
1: Uh, so The Spark started... Uh, let's see. So then... Uh, I met those guys at the art space, so it must have been like around 2003. Uh, I was doing a band called Looks Like Rain before that. And uh, we... I think it was after, I can't remember now, it was after Looks Like Rain played our last show that I met them or, you know, I met them before and knew that that band was breaking up. But uh, Mike and Derek were in a band from Westminster called Gmail Society Torch, uh, who were, like, the fastest, tightest, most ripiness, like, Japanese hardcore uh, thrash punk band from, like, you know, Bumfuck. You know Westminster, Hampstead, Maryland, and uh, it just like blew me away. I was like, "Who are these kids? You know, what are they doing out in Westminster? They need to be here." You know, <laughs> and uh, I it literally, it literally might have been at that show uh, when I was like, "Hey, uh, you guys want to do a band together?" And, MC, uh, yeah. you
2: were holding up the flyer. What's your, what was your flyer there?
4: Um. So this was just a flyer from a show we booked at uh, The Old Champ back in the day. I want to say it was like 2005, 2004. It was Saturday, February 5th, Kill Your Idols, Forward to Death, and Spark.
1: Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Champ shows are always super fun, all, all locations. Uh, I prefer The
4: Old Champ when it was still in the strip mall. It seemed yeah, a little bit yep. more like it seemed a little bit more like home then.
1: The only issue I remember about that one was weren't the weren't the like the speakers pretty low above the stage? So like diving, the the ceiling itself
4: was pretty low. Yeah, the ceiling itself was pretty low. So the speakers weren't super high, but it was that perfect yeah. room where it's like narrow and long, which is what you want for yep. a venue, ideally.
1: For sure. For sure.
2: I think my favorite memory from the old champ is going to the Halloween show that I think the nighttime dealers played where Colby Black kept telling Dave Preno to stop drinking beer on stage. <laughs> and uh, we were driving home. And it was literally like two miles away from the old champ in Lemoyne. And there was a guy from the show who had dressed up like Jesus and he was just carrying a ginormous cross, like <laughs> probably 10 feet tall, just walking home down like to the <laughs> random street in Le Moyne, PA. It was amazing. Nice. So, when, so obviously the spark was after you moved to Maryland. Were you in any bands before that in Jersey or anything?
1: No, no, never, never did anything until, until, uh, you know, so I grew up in New Jersey, went to high school, and then went to college. Um, I went to UMBC, just outside of Baltimore. Um, but yeah, never, you know, yeah, like everybody, like when, you know, when they're teenagers, uh, you know, and first getting into it, you talk about it, but nothing ever nothing ever came uh, to fruition. But, um, and actually, my, my first, like, legit actual band was in college, and it was like a uh, like a live hip-hop, like Beastie Boys want to be, band oh, called wow. in <laughs> um, yeah i thought i thought i found our demo the other day when i you know I, i've been recently dubbing all my tapes or digitizing all my tapes and i found the case but the tape is not in there so i no longer have uh, Tape daddy's demo but uh um, finding the was, case
4: was, with an em- finding an empty case is the worst feeling dude it was, it
1: was a real real bummer because uh so one of the other guys who was one of the other MCs, is a comedian out in LA and you know, he's doing all right. He's not, you know, you probably wouldn't have ever heard of him, but he's, he's doing all right. And, uh, I was calling him day, I was to digitize this and, and, put it up and, and you know, let everyone know what he was, what he was really doing 20 years ago,
0: uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, 25 years ago at this point. And, um, unfortunately it's not going to happen. Yeah. What were you guys called? Sorry, Justin. It was called the pimp daddies. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs>
0: I was just going to reject and say that that is not on your Discogs page. So it is
1: erased. <laughs> like I said, understood the demo's gone. The demo's gone. So I don't know. Maybe some UMBC uh, class of 98 you know, person has that, has that demo somewhere. But uh, I no longer have it.
2: <laughs> what you uh, go to college for?
1: Uh I went to college because my parents told me I should go to college. Uh, I mean, like for literally. what your degree, not why. What
2: do you? <laughs> but how do you? I had mental?
1: no idea. I had zero idea what I wanted to do, and I was like, oh, you know, my dad's like, you know, CEO of this company in New York. You know, that 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 uh, sure he's you know he seems to enjoy what he does. So I, I majored in economics at first. And uh, a couple of those classes were at 8.30 in the morning, and I went to those for like two weeks, and I was like, this is too early. I'm not going to these anymore. (laughs) And uh, so after that first semester, I switched my major to undefined because I wasn't quite sure. And then I met uh, these dudes who I ended up doing the pit daddies with through skateboarding, and uh, they were all film video majors. And I was like, oh, that sounds fun. You know, I did that. you know, hang out with these kids, and they hang out in the, in the art department, in the art building, all till like you know four in the morning. And you know, they make their make their little uh, sixteen millimeter films with their friends, and yeah, this seems cool. So, uh, I majored in uh, film/video for a while, and then during college is when I you know started like you know booking shows and getting more into like playing in bands and. After five years of being in college and still being pretty far from graduating, I was not a good student, I uh, <laughs> said, maybe I'll stop wasting my parents' money and I'll come back to this later. And uh, then in 2009, uh, after the economic crash, when the job I had was no longer, I thought maybe now's a good time to go back to school. <laughs> uh, so I, I made it in, uh, in uh, uh, graphic design. And so that's that's what I graduated with. But but by that time I knew that you know because the job that I had lost was in the print industry, and I said this isn't going to last much longer. But uh, you know the web doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon. So the uh, know did not have like a you know uh, web development web design program. Uh, they so they did have a couple classes in the in the graphic design program. So. Uh, the whole time I was in the graphic design program, I knew I wanted to be focusing on web design and development. So my internship upon graduation, or my last uh, semester, I was at a little digital agency in Baltimore called Missing Media, and uh, you know, learned more in my four months there than I did in all my time in school, and <laughs> uh, I took off. My career took off from there.
2: So before we get too far, I want to uh, go back a little bit. Do you remember the very first, um, whether it was cassette um, or record or eight track, <laughs> that uh, you were ever given or, or owned or bought or whatever?
1: Yeah, no, I definitely remember a game for Christmas one year, uh, I want to say it was the Jermaine Jackson cassette. Uh, okay. my parents thought I'd like. I think I also I don't know if it was that same year, or different year I think I got like Abba's greatest hits. Uh, <laughs> so this is what my parents thought, like, oh, this is the kind of stuff that he would like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vague, very, very very vague memories of
2: those. Nice. Okay. So um the spark did the spark and pulling teeth overlap at all?
1: Uh let's see. They must have overlapped briefly um, I want to say I want to say like this so Key started like practicing it must have been like early 2005 and well, maybe maybe it didn't now that I think about it oh man my, my memory is the worst for this kind of stuff <clears throat> um, yeah so I'm trying to think because I want to say the the last show with Late 2004. Um, I'm actually going to have to have to go to the binder, the, the flyer binder right now, and see if I can figure this out. Because I want to say the Spark Flash show was late 2004, and I'm pretty sure pulling teeth didn't start practicing until until 2005. Though in my memory, uh, there is there there was some overlap, but I, I could be wrong there.
2: So did you just meet the pulling teeth dudes from? Going to shows and stuff like that, presumably.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I knew mean, Dom. Um, um, you know, Dom was playing in the Slumlords at the time. Okay. And so you know, the Slumlords and the Spark played together, uh, you know, a bunch of times. And um, let's see. Oh, look at that. So yeah, the Spark was playing still <laughs> in 2005. So there must have been there must have been some overlap there. Um, but yeah, so let's see, Dom Dom was the one who basically was you know sort of formed it like Voltron. Um, he hit me up, uh, and just basically, I think he, he must've known that the spark was coming to an end though. Um, and was, you know, asking, he said, he, you know, and he knew the song words were coming to an end and he hit me up about, you know, we, you know, we had known each other from, from playing shows together. So we had talked a bunch about, you know, all that kinds of music and stuff that we were into. Uh, so one day, I took him up and said, you know, I want to do uh, I want to do a band that's like a cross between Left for Dead and Integrity. You know, would you be down to sing? And uh, heck yeah! Uh, and then he had oh, let's see. Uh, so Alex Henderson, he was playing. in Never enough was I think. You know, either, I, I don't remember if there's overlap there, but he was in Never Enough. And then um, Gus Bowman was also in Never Enough. And who played? I can't remember. Who was our first bass player when we first started? Maybe maybe it was Alex DiMatessa, who uh, at that time he probably would have been in Warren Thin, Um and he, you know, now does great Mistake Records. He was in uh, Government Warning and stuff when he moved down to Richmond. But anyway, um, and then yeah, so that's you know that that was I'm pretty sure that was the lineup for the demo. Alex might not have been Alex might have just been like a fill now that I think about it. Uh I don't know if we had like a regular bass player. Oh, oh of course, Doug Fresh, who also played in Slum Lords. Uh oh, nice. Yeah. He was a, yeah. So it was basically, you know, uh half of Slum you know, some of a couple of people from Slum Lords, a couple of people from Never Enough and then me. Uh and that was the original lineup. And then Alex moved to Iowa to you know, do like a tattoo apprenticeship. And then um Joe from Federal Hope and Ruiner, uh, he played drums with us for a little while. And then, yeah, it took us a while to settle in uh, to like a solid drummer and a solid bass player, Chris Kuhn, who his band called at the time Downside Risk. You know, I knew him just from booking them at the art space. And for whatever reason, Doug couldn't or didn't want to do it. So we got Chris in and then, you know, he played bass with us the whole time. And then... Um, played with us for a while and then you know basically we had you know a rotating cast of second guitar players the, so the best you know, thing
4: about that though is out of the gate you guys basically had an all-star cast of like baltimore's finest you had dudes from slumlords dudes from ruiner dudes from the spark dudes from uh oh my god what never, was, enough, was, yeah. never enough yeah never enough yes sir never enough ruled they were one of my favorite hardcore bands from baltimore of all time like just all-star lineup out of the gate. So, can't go wrong.
1: Yeah, I mean, also I mean you know, it was great. one of those bands that, uh, you know, everybody's kind of previous band was really their first band doing, like, extensive touring and getting out of, you know, getting out of just playing Baltimore shows. So, you know, everybody had, you know, sort of cut their teeth at that point. And uh, so, yeah, by the time pulling teeth came together, you know, everybody was pretty well... You know, competent and well versed in, in what they were doing. So it was a good mix.
2: So you guys did the demo and then you kind of came right out of the gate with the full length, right? Or was there something between that?
1: Uh, no. So, yeah, how did that come out of that? So, our friend Will, who did Chainsaw Safety Records, you know, I knew him. Uh, I first met Will. So, there's a, a band called Borhees. Uh, from England and he would uh, book their tours and tour with them when they came over to the States. So, you know, I don't remember, it must've been him. I don't remember how he originally got in touch with me, but you know, we first met booking Voorhees and then the band after Voorhees was a band called the horror and uh, he would tour with them as well. So that's how I first met Will. And I don't remember, cause you know, on the demo, like we definitely, you know, played Baltimore a bunch I'm trying to remember if we really got out of Baltimore uh, before the the full length came out, but um, so I don't I am guessing I must have sent sent Will uh, the demo. I doubt he would have heard it and, and contacted me. So yeah, I must have sent it to him, and yeah, that was you know so the full length probably was like nine or maybe about a year after the demo. But yeah, it was definitely you know there was no like doing a 7-inch and, you know, out and playing up and down the East Coast. Um, You know, I mean, Dom was, you know, he's a super, to this day, super prolific songwriter. He had, you know, basically had, you know, riffs and songs for days, so it was up to me to keep up, basically. So (laughs) as fast as I could write lyrics to the songs he was coming up with, you know, we would would record. What do you remember about uh, recording
2: that first full length?
1: Uh, Let's see, so we did it, Uh, the studio that um, Lords recorded some of their records at and a couple other Baltimore hardcore bands, there was a guy, Mike Bossier, I want to say his last name. He was down in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. And, uh, yeah, you know, he had, you know, basically a studio in in the basement of his house. And, you know, he'd done a bunch bunch of records and he knew Dom from Lords records. So they kind of had a rapport at the time. And, yeah, I remember it being, so Tony Hare was playing guitar with us by the time we recorded that, and
4: because he's been in every, yeah. in every band in Baltimore at some point.
1: He's been in a lot of bands in Baltimore for sure. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I remember blowing my voice out for sure because, you know, I had, I had yelled in a bunch of a bunch of bands, but that was the sort of first like, metallic band where, it was, you know, vocals were a little bit harsher, and I didn't really know what I was doing yet. So I definitely remember blowing out my my voice a bunch in that recording. Um, I'm trying to think because we did we did a, a handful of recordings at that same studio, and at this point, you know, they kind of blend together.
2: Right, for sure. Um, I mean, it sounds pretty good for, like you said, it was a pretty much like an in house studio of a friend, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, he,
1: you know, he's been—he was a guy. He was like a, a studio guy, like a recording guy. It was mean, just happened to be in his house. Um, but he had been recording, you know, for many years. So he definitely knew what he was
2: doing for sure. Nice. Um, so that one, obviously, Tom put out on his own label. The, you know, he was running. So, and Chainsaw Safety. The next one, you guys hooked up with Deathwish. How did uh, you guys run into them, and what was that relationship like?
1: Yeah. So yeah, Dom. You know, yeah, he always wanted to do, to do. He was already doing A3 and Nine at the time. So, yeah. Any any label, you know, he would do the vinyl, and you know, the other label, you know, CDs were still selling at the time. So yeah, the other label do the CD, and then let's see, how would we have, uh, originally hooked up with Deathwish? Um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, Dom was always kind of the the, the dealer. In the band, so it must the hookup been, guy, yeah. It must have been um, just you know, just pestering them, I'm sure. Or the networker, there's
2: always a networker in, a, in the video, yeah.
1: I mean, at that point, like we we did a, a you know, a good amount of touring on vicious skin, um, like we did a full US tour on that record, and then yeah, you know, we played up and down the east coast a lot. So we were, you know, probably I don't know, I don't remember if we ever played with Converge, you know, uh, at that stage. But you know, we were definitely playing with deathwish bands for sure. Right. Um, shipwrecked and and blacklisted, and you know whatever. Uh, who else? And uh, i guess hoping was probably done by that time. But yeah, we were definitely playing with deathwish bands. So, you know, it was kind of it was kind of the world we were in for sure. Right. So, where the idea
2: for the uh, the witches Sabbath Seven Inches come from?
1: I, I think it was just you know we're all. Or, I, don't, I don't want to say we all, but Dom and I are definitely both, you know, record collector guys. And, uh, you know, because Dom was doing the vinyl it was always sort of like, What well, you know, how can we, how do we make this a little bit more interesting? You know, Dom always liked to get interesting with the vinyl colors and, and eventually, you know, things like the, the, you know, I don't know what you call the paranoid delusions, paradise illusions. Uh, uh, there's a word for it, reticulated or something like that. But, right. Uh, you know, back and forth. Uh, move, move it back and forth, get different pictures. Thing, um, yeah. Dom always like to have fun with it. So yeah, it was just to, you know, keep it interesting for the record collectors. You know, let's do super limited, you know, one-sided seven-inch cover song releases with uh with every record. You guys did
2: six. That's in impressively consistent.
1: We did, yeah. Well, and and the reason behind that is, you know, so the artwork for, for those all came out of some book that Dom had and, and there were six of them in that style that we figured, awesome. You know, these will be the covers. And right. that was at the time I was working at that, at the print shop in Baltimore. So, you know, I got to print all those for free. I, w-
0: I was hoping you were going to say, Oh yeah, we did six because six, 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 obviously.
4: <laughs> <laughs> of course. I have a random one off question. Uh, when there was a, there was a benefit show for the art space. I can't remember. I think it was, I think it was pulling teeth. It might have been the Spark. You guys did a almost exclusive Nirvana cover set. Oh, that was pulling teeth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I thought it was, was pulling teeth. What What was the idea behind that? Was it just for fun, or like, was there something
1: else? No, totally. I mean, uh, yeah, that was just you know, it, it was a it was like a benefit fundraiser kind of thing, and we had been playing around. We played a bunch of shows around Baltimore at the time. Uh, so we figured, you know, um, you know, everybody's seen us do whatever songs we had at the time. So then, uh, I don't remember if we started playing Nirvana covers for that show or just for, you know, to play, like, to, to play, you know, as covers in, in shows that are playing. <clears throat> but, yeah, we learned, I don't know, what, six or seven Nirvana songs. And, uh, yeah, that first Wichita Sabbath was uh, Territorial Pissing's but, yeah, that show was that show was so much fun. It was just, you know, again, like, you played your whole set in front of all your friends a, a bunch of times. But, you know, mix it up a little bit. But, yeah, so, that show was a blast. Yeah, so someone we, in the crowd, when you guys all
4: went up there with the, like, 90s flannels on, <laughs> I remember thinking, what the, what the fuck is up with this? And then you started playing Nirvana, and it all clicked, and it was just like, it was, hold on, clicked. If you can't get the sound effect, I click. Um, <laughs> it was it was so perfect. It was it was such a fun night. So,
1: I was stoked on that. I just had to ask about it. So, yeah, that was a blast. That was a blast. Although, uh, you know, the finals were just you know that was just what we wore. I think I don't I, I don't know <laughs> maybe maybe everyone fight, you know I think it was the fall. It was just what we were wearing anyway. <laughs> well, it, um, it, fit, it fit
4: the set for sure.
0: So been, we mentioned the different versions of the Champ earlier. So I've got to ask uh, your preference of art space locations.
1: Oh man, that's uh, hard because you know, the, you know there was eight years of the, the old basement, uh, and you know it was a, a lot of good times and a lot of crazy packed you know shows at a space that could really, honestly, probably, maybe hold thirty people. That you know we were had probably a hundred <laughs> down there. That sometimes. Um, yeah, but then getting to the move into the garage next door and actually having like you know a stage and something more venue-like and still keeping it totally DIY was pretty 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 freaking cool. And uh, you know it just meant we could you know because again you know the people that were that were you know volunteers at the art space, uh, people like myself and and you know Rob from Ruiner and people that had been touring and, and meeting bands and you know, convincing them to, to come through. So, you know, we need a, a space a little bit bigger than that tiny basement.
0: It was awesome to see it grow, but some of those shows in that first basement, there's it's hard to beat that weird space that made no sense for, like you said, 100 people in it.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally, totally.
2: So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, but you've been doing rankings of your uh, band's records on Facebook for <laughs> yeah. two few weeks now. Instagram. Yeah, yeah. So if you had to rank the Pooling Teeth full lengths, what order would you rank them in?
1: <clears throat> All right. Uh, uh, so, you know, this is maybe a little bit cliche, but I'm sure every band says their most recent than their last record. But, you know, for me, Pureri was uh, was definitely like, you know, I think where we peaked, you know, I mean, we basically kind of ended the band after that real realizing, right. you know, realizing that we didn't think that we would top that record. <clears throat> um, so that's, that's my personal, and it was just like a, you know, super emotional, super personal record for Dom and I, like we, you know, we've both lost our fathers, um, you know, within the same year and a lot of, you know, a lot of what we were dealing with went in that record, right. Um, you know, we got to, we got to include a whole bunch of our, our of our, you know, friends, in the recording. Um, so yeah, there's definitely just like a lot special about that record. Um, you know, I, I after that, I, I probably put Martyr Immortal second. And that seems to be, you know, the, the record most people, you know, claim as their favorite. Um, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, at that point, you know, the, the songs that record, you know, as I you know I'd say they're as punk as they are you know metal hardcore right for Um, sure you know like a vibe to those songs you know fast and raw and you know some some of my favorite songs that we did are definitely on that record Uh, and then uh I'd have to go Paranoid Delusions Paradise Illusions just because you know we it was it was it was a it was a fun record to make because we had just you know tried a few things that you know we were like reaching for a little bit and um you know, pulling in various influences of the band uh, that weren't kind of just straight up, you know, integrity or, or left for dead. You know, <laughs> um, yeah, stuff like you know, Inter- <laughs> Black Sabbath yeah. or Kiss or whatever. You know, and then you know, and the vicious skin is, is great. There's still some songs uh, I really like on there, but it's definitely you know, it's a, it's a first record for sure.
2: Solid list. I'd probably, I think I'd probably do the same, honestly. So, <laughs> uh,
0: but vicious skin is the one I found you guys on, so I love that thing, for sure, like, that sure. that reason as the entry point, obviously. But
2: yeah, for nostalgia purposes,
1: for sure. I, yeah, I mean, I'm also, I'm very much, you know, that person. Like, oh, uh, you know, the first record was the best for for most bands that I, you know, I love. It's uh, it was the first record that's the best one.
2: So you guys uh, put out Funerary in uh, 2011 and broke up pretty soon after that, and then about five years later, you played This Is Hardcore. What was that uh, kind of feeling and emotion like playing a show again and pulling teeth for the first time after five years of uh, taking a break?
1: Uh, it was super fun, you know. I mean, you know, like we didn't it wasn't like we broke up the band because you know we hated each other and drama like that. It was just, you know, it had run its course. And, and like I said, we didn't, we didn't think we could top funerary. So, you know, everybody was, you know, still friendly and we all, you know, kept in touch, you know, and we still do, you know, just whatever goofy group text messages, you know, jokes, whatever. So, you know, it wasn't like, you know, that much time had really passed. And again, you know, I guess five years, it really isn't that much. And it was just about, you know, or about the, the 10 year anniversary of, uh, mortal. And so we figured, you know, let's just, we'll play that record and then, you know, maybe we'll play a a handful of other songs as well. But yeah, it was was super fun. Just, you know, um, you know, Chris and I had both been out here in Colorado for a bit. So it was just good to, you know, go back to Baltimore and and see friends and get back together with, you know, the pulling teeth guys and, uh, play with our friends. You know, we got, Bloodlet to come up and, and play that that show in Baltimore the night before and then, you know, Playful Fest as well and Full of Hell and, and 6-6 also played the Baltimore show, so, and then, you know, festivals are always just family reunions Right. So, it was, it, was, it was a
2: blast. So, next year you can do the 10-year funerary show,
1: right? We could, we could. It's we'll, we'll, <laughs> been very, very, very loose talk, uh, but, um, We'll, we'll we'll see how it goes. If there's interest, you know, uh, definitely right. never wanted to be, you know, that band that like just played, you know, reunion shows every year and you know it never really actually ends. But you know, something like that, you know, if, if there's interest, uh, you know, maybe we'll do it. So
2: obviously you've got a lot going on right now in Colorado with, you know, raising a family or anything. Are you involved in any thing musically out there, or are you just kind of chilling right now?
1: Not yet. Um, so I live in a town called Longmont, which is, like, outside of Boulder. I'm kind of, like, right in between Denver and Fort Collins. And, uh, you know, so I have to drive 45 minutes, you know, either way to, to go see shows. And definitely with family stuff and work stuff, it, you know, it's harder. And there's certainly, you know, less shows out this way than, you know, there were on the East Coast. Just because, you know, it's a, it's a hard place to tour to. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I definitely, definitely it out as as often as i can you know before all this coronavirus stuff hit but um you know i've met you know a a fair amount of people that play but when you know they're all in their upper 30s and 40s it's starting new bands is is hard to do so nothing's happened yet but you know i've definitely talked to people and i'm still talking to people about getting something going um so hopefully it'll happen uh but uh, it just not has has not happened yet
2: you got any plans for tomorrow for Mother's Day? Uh,
1: my wife said she did. All she wants oh, to she do right is she right there? No, 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 no. Uh, Don't say it if she's out, there.
2: You're going to ruin it.
1: it. Uh, well, you no. Know, this is what she told me she wants to do. is uh, Spend the day outside in the garden or, you know, taking the kids, going for a bike ride or a hike or something. And, uh, you know, not having to cook, not having to clean. That's, nice. that's her day.
2: Is it uh is it <laughs> is it still cold out there right
1: now? No, it's 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 you know we're solidly into spring so it's like mid 60s you know during the day.
2: We were you supposed know. to That's have better than here on the east coast. Yeah, we were supposed to have snow this weekend.
1: <laughs> oh, I mean we we literally had a foot of snow I guess it was 2 weeks ago now. And well, like we
4: literally had, snow had snow flurries 70. today. It yeah, was nice. 70 degrees 3 days ago and flurries today. That's yeah. just how it goes on the east coast, you know. That's wild. I have one more unrelated question uh, I wanted to ask. Do you
2: believe in ghosts?
1: Uh, You know, I've I've certainly experienced things I couldn't explain. I definitely lived in this house in Baltimore where it was the kind of place where, like, literally on an almost daily basis, you kind of, like, would see something out of the corner of your eye and turn around, you know, nothing there. Okay. That was the closest I'd say But uh, you know, ultimately uh, Ultimately as, a, as an Atheist I have to say no <laughs> um, <laughs> Right yeah okay um, Yeah I, I've i never uh, might, You know Like again there's been Unexplained occurrences that when we First moved into our the first house that we Bought in Baltimore we had a dog Who would just literally like so it was One of those houses where it was, like walk in It's the living room and then there's uh, there were pocket doors, but a little bit of a break and then it's the dining room and then a little break in the kitchen and the dog used to sit in the living room and just stare into the dining room for an hour at a time. And we had no idea what it was staring at. And my <laughs> wife was convinced that was a ghost, uh, yeah. but you know, I, I've, I've, uh, I've never really truly experienced anything that I was like, Oh wow. Yep. ghost surreal okay the, the
4: dog knew what was up that that's what i'm assuming the dog very well the,
1: you know for uh from my perspective it was probably staring at a mouse. mouth uh, know, yeah. you know?
2: <laughs> every time i've thought my dog was staring at something it ended up being a squirrel out the window <laughs> right right <exactly. laughs> um did you have any shout outs or anything you want to do before we wrap everything up we're about 45 minutes here so
1: Oh, wow. Um, no, my cat's sticking his ass in my face. So, I mean, <laughs> um, no, thanks guys. This is, this is a fun trip down memory lane. I'm, I'm sorry. My memory is terrible. No, um, oh,
0: Yeah. Thanks for doing it, man.
1: Say, yeah. I mean, I'd say, you know, uh, if you're you know, bored at home cause you're stuck at home now and you're uh, dicking around on band camp, I would say there's a, a bunch of rad Denver area bands, uh, that everybody should check out. Um, I will shout out State Drugs, which is Chris from Pulling Teeth, kind of like indie pop rock band. Nice. Um, uh, If you like like Jim Blossoms or Game Face or Sensefield, hell yeah, uh, you know stuff like that. uh, Check them out. Um, Let's see, there's a bunch of great like just young, uh, raw hardcore bands: Um, Parkney, Cadaver Dog, Goon, all rad bands um and then if you're ever coming through denver and you want to play a show um circle is uh denver's diy spot okay um, cool and gotten to see a, a bunch of rad shows there uh so yeah that, that's who i'll shout out the people the people and bands still 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 doing it uh still keeping me excited to go to shows
2: have you run into the uh, feather and bone dude since you've been out there who is it of feather and bone. I
1: don't know Southern Bone.
2: Oh, nice. I'll I'll send you a link. They're um, they've played. I poked them at, in York a couple of times, but they're good. They might. I think they're kind of up your alley. So I'll, I'll shoot you a link. You probably like them.
1: Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I haven't seen that name.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Um, Well, I guess we'll wrap it up. Thanks. Oh, MC has something.
4: I also want to say thank you, Mike, for posting all these old school flyers almost daily because that really keeps me pretty motivated during the time we're in now where there's literally nothing going on. But seeing all the old flyers and knowing that literally there were shows every day at one point has (laughs) given me a little bit of motivation to like keep my head up because man it right now is a bummer
1: it is a bummer it is yeah and it's uh yeah certainly a a fun trip down memory lane you know i love posting them on somewhere where people can comment and remind me of of stuff that happened that i totally forgotten about and uh and uh yeah it's, it's it's super fun and i would just say you know any uh any shows you're you're booking you know put the. Put the year on the flyer. You will you will thank yourself ten years down the road, twenty years down the road.
2: That's really good advice. I love when. <laughs> I always tried to make sure I did it. I and I hate looking at a flyer trying to figure out when the hell it was.
1: Exactly.
4: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, I've been pretty good about putting like the day, like Saturday, whatever date, because then you can just Google Saturday yeah. February fourteenth and know. Oh, well it was either. Two thousand three or two or nineteen ninety seven, and it's pretty easy to figure out from there.
1: It's pretty good. I've I, I've definitely done that. It gets tricky in leap years. And you're
4: right. There you go. <laughs>
2: there we go. All right, Mike. Thanks so much for doing this. Um, we'll stay in touch and uh, stay safe during the uh, coronavirus pandemic.
3: Yeah thanks, yeah. thanks, Mike. Guys, take care. Have thanks, man. Night. Yeah, you See too. It.
0: What a good conversation, gang. <laughs> Steven, when when everyone canceled tours, we should have pretended we had a tour that we canceled, just been like really, bu- <laughs> really bummed to cancel all our May dates, you guys.
2: <laughs> hey, there's still time.
0: <laughs> well, hey, we have a show booked December, right, Brandon? When's that? Are we still on the Piebald show?
3: Probably- oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> I just don't even like really know anymore, like what's happening. No, mm-hmm. I was like...
4: about to make a joke before you said that date and said, "Well, you can cancel next May's tour because we'll still be here." <laughs> I really hope not.
0: I, I, I hope not, have... but at very least, second wave based on opening things back up and uh, an unfortunate side effect of the protests, I believe, will likely. Yeah, did they
3: like? We went down to the Lancaster protests on Monday. I guess yesterday. And then, like, Lancaster Online, like, posted an article that said, like, nine people that were, like, arrested also were tested, like, tested positive for coronavirus. It's like, Jesus. <laughs> uh, that's
4: not I think, funny, but like, that's exactly what I expected to hear.
0: I think it's going to be a, like, an unfortunate side effect of, yeah.
3: Totally. It was really shitty, too. I mean, there was a lot of people wearing masks, but there was also a lot of people that weren't. weren't and it's just, like, good Lord.
4: Yeah, I went to the one in York today because York's always, like, five days behind everyone else on stuff, so they had theirs today.
3: It looked Um, like a lot of people were there. I saw pictures from it.
4: Yeah, there was a lot of people, and I was really surprised that I'd say, like, 75%, 80% of people were wearing masks. Now, there was a lot of the thing where people were wearing masks, and then, because it's fucking summer, they'd pull it down to breathe a little bit because masks get very hot, especially when you're outside in the sun. And then, like, there was uh, i think it was Fox, 40. there were a couple news stations there, but the one that I saw up close was Fox 43, and they kept shoving these microphones in people's faces, and everyone was pulling down their masks, talking to the microphone, and I'm just like, this is exactly what you should not be doing. This, like, because, you know, they weren't changing the, like, little foamy thing on the microphone or anything in between yeah. people, they were just shoving it in their faces. Can I also I, um... thought it was really nice of all the local news channels to send it out. All of their white reporters and all of their white cameramen to cover the Black Lives Matter protest. Um, can I, of course, I hop in here? I don't with... think Fox 43 has <laughs> any like black staff, so I don't know that. No, Channel 8 does. They have Ron Martin. He goes to the gym. Well, used to go to the gym up here that I go to. I'd see him every once in a while.
3: I saw I saw a lot of people with like cameras, like TV style cameras, that were people of color. But I don't know, like, if they were, like, independent, like, journalists or or not. Like, they didn't have, like, any markings of, like, WGL or anything. So Oh, trust me. WGAL puts their um, their, their name on everything. They want to be yeah. done. Wait, they got to
2: get their name MC? out there.
4: What was Ron that Martin. Name?
2: Okay, Ron Martin is totally not real. Obviously, if you're going to add a fake guy to a news team, you're going to name him Ron Martin and throw him out there. So I wouldn't even count that.
4: Well, yeah, never trust a man with two first names. Rule one. Rule one. True.
3: Yeah, true. Good point. (laughs) Um, I'm going to throw out a a nice... um... (laughs) Oh, but real real quick before you (laughs) go. Justin.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because you you post that.
4: Justin just posted something like, Blackstaff sounds like a bar for evil wizards in a fantasy movie. No, Blackstaff is a dude's dick in a porno. (laughs) Jesus, Going back to everyone's favorite pornos Big black staff There you go
2: Well now if the truth comes out We know what Justin
4: watches (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's not his grandparents Old 50s VHS porno That he found Not of his grandparents But that was in their (laughs) possession It could still be ladies and boys Ladies and boys could still apply
0: Meet me for a pint of ale tonight at the Black Staff.
2: <laughs> um, I just want to, I like I like doing things like this. I wanted to read this um, post from a person I used to work with today. Oh, God. Just voted. And I didn't wear a mask. Hashtag freedom.
0: Mm, sick. Uh, oh, Stephen and MC, I made it to the polls in time. Oh, good.
3: 755.
0: 7. Nice. I did dude there was
3: like no one at my polls today. Yeah, yeah. Same. It was so dead. They were like, I like well I walked in and like so my polling place is like on S&M's campus and it's in a library of like theological seminary and there's a wall of windows on the one side and I walked up there like saw no one in the polling area and I just saw three people staring out the window like who knows how long they- <laughs> they were there just like spaced out and i was like hello and they're like oh are you here to vote and i was like yeah and they're like oh okay cool what's your name <laughs> I <was> like, what
0: <laughs> i i want to maintain hope and say that the decreased physical presence at the polling places was because everyone got a mail in ballot at home so no. they,
4: got- they changed the date and then people didn't give a fuck cuz they Most- were too busy out yeah, Lois got, ba-
0: got a mail-in ballot. I should have done that. Now I wouldn't have had to drive like a maniac to make the poll time. Do you think but, you
2: made a difference? Because, you know, Biden won the PA primary,
0: Justin. I didn't look at any results. I, I didn't. See, so here's the deal.
4: I didn't vote because as a registered Republican, I have no one to vote for today.
3: True. Perfect yeah,
4: awkward silence. Thanks, guys. That yeah, was you do. I'm not a
3: registered Republican. No, you can't vote in the Democrat Thing as uh, a Republican or independent. Oh, you can vote for congressional candidates and.
0: Yeah, yeah for the lo- for the local stuff. Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah, true. I was just making a dumb joke. It didn't sound like a joke. You sounded like very like calm and collected about being a Republican. You did. Now I'm gonna make a meme and call you Republican that, MC. That's fine. <laughs>
4: that's why I don't pay any taxes. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh, hold on. I'm just going to start putting Trump stickers at the garage. <laughs> Jesus, please don't. Yeah, we get burned down.
0: So so only at least the Google homepage says only 22% of uh, places are reporting in. But uh, Tulsi Gabbard has 3.6%. That's
2: actually shocking to,
0: me. to Joe, To Joe Biden's 776 Yeah, hold up, though.
4: In the... Oklahoma governor's race. Joe Exotic got like nineteen point seven percent. So like, yeah, 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 no. Tulsi can go fuck off with her three percent until she can beat Joe Exotic numbers. She's not a real candidate.
0: Well, I I'm I went, not even convinced she's a real person. I went into the I went into the the booth and I was like, oh, Cause like she's from Hawaii.
4: No, because I think she's um, I think she's a like a bird. She's a drone sent here to just like spy
0: on us. And yeah, she's a psyop. Um, <laughs> but I, actually,
4: all, gonna... all, all, all um, politicians from Hawaii were actually born in Kenya, <laughs> and have fake birth fat. certificates. Yeah, so the,
0: I facts. saw her name. I saw her yeah, name on the ballot and was like, oh yeah, because I totally like forgot.
3: Yeah. I don't think she was on my ballot to be honest.
0: fine. Yeah.
3: Well, at one point I know, there was I maybe wasn't even looking for her, but I just it was just Sanders and Biden.
0: So this is going to be super niche for among our listeners, but um And now sorry. back to Mick Jones nick my pudding by the Dropkick Murphys. I read <laughs> 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 uh, I <coughs> I read, Can we um, just
4: continue writing our Dropkick song? That was really
3: going somewhere. <laughs> that was going somewhere. We could have really made something.
0: I, I read the uh, the newest Stephen King book, and in one of his stories, it's set in like 2004 or five, maybe a little bit later, but it's when the first generation iPhone comes out, and there's literally like 40 pages of a 15-year-old child explaining to an 8 year old man how iPhones work.
3: Well. Jesus, that's like a horror. In in a book,
0: yeah. The old man's like, you can get the stocks on here?
4: (laughs) Uh (laughs) The real question with it being Stephen King is, is there any weird child sex? Not in that one, but it came close. Because he always has some weird child sex going on.
0: He figured
2: that the president had it covered for the next few years. He left it out.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, he often describes the erections of prepubescence. Oh, I uh, I thought about today, this probably is like my normal stuff and it won't generate any conversation, but I was wondering if you guys had musical hot takes that you think only apply to you or like the other people would get mad about. Because today we had on a punk playlist at the print shop and one of the dumb Black Flag songs came on and I went, you know, Damaged would be a perfect record if TV Party and Six Pack weren't on it because they're goofy and they're stupid. So that's my musical hot take. Hmm. Yeah. So what record would you put those songs on, then? I wouldn't. I'd take them out of the band. I'd erase them from history. So
4: you're you're,
0: you're keeping...
4: You're erasing Six Pack and TV Party, but you're keeping Slip It In
0: and Black Coffee. I love Black Coffee. That song's great. That's not quite as dumb as TV Party. They don't list all the shows in the TV guide in Black Coffee.
4: (laughs) Carefully avoiding Slip It In still.
0: No, I would take that out, too. There's a lot of problematic later era um, uh, Black Flag songs. I'm particularly referring to, I think, Damage to be a perfect record without the Goofy songs. Nah, Maybe a hot take,
2: but I don't really like anything from Black Flag aside from My War and Damaged and like Nervous Breakdown type era stuff. I don't like any of the later, just, weird just, experimental you records.
0: Just, you just named like uh, three eras of Black Flag. <laughs> I'll be I honest. Like the old, I don't like anything yeah. after My War. Fair enough.
4: My, my favorite Black Flag album is that Grey album where it had like all three or four singers before Rollins doing pretty much all the same songs. and You got to hear the different versions
0: everything went black yeah uh, the instrumental did I call record it the
4: gray album jesus christ you, you did well i think you it were had a great cover to,
0: yeah i assume that's what you meant the um steven revisit the instrumental record the process of weeding out that thing Whoa, is great.
2: no way really i need some i need some voices
0: in there you listen to post rock that doesn't have singing for like <laughs> like appleseed cast sings Stephen, steven like what you need three bars is...
4: Some psychedelic drugs, and yeah, then the instrumental Black Flag record, and you'll hear the voices. But that, those Appleseed Cast records have really fucking great drums on them.
0: I think Bill Stevenson drummed on that Black Flag record.
2: Yeah, but some of the stuff he plays isn't that interesting. He's All not right. as good of a drummer as most people say he is. Maybe another hot take.
0: Well, I'm not Ooh, hot drummer. takes right now. I'm not a. I'm not a drummer, so I think he's cool. Mm. Wow. Well. When we did wise, the Black Flag cover set, first.
4: Jake was laughing at how easy all the songs were.
0: Yeah, I mean,
2: even descendant songs, like... Uh, um, well, none, none of these punk
3: songs are supposed to be hard.
2: Well, for me to listen to something instrumental, there has
3: to be uh, um, something so you, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're an elitist. You need it to be good.
0: No, you exactly. Get a, get a cup of hot black coffee and, like, an engine block... On the concrete pad behind your trailer And you put on this instrumental black flag record And you drink the coffee in the hot sun Without a shirt on And you lift the engine block over your head And you do that a bunch of times Until the record's over And then you'll understand
4: Steven, when did you buy a trailer? Because I want to come
0: hang out No, I was was painting a picture A verbal picture Were there any trees In this picture? Use your mind's eye.
4: Were were the trees happy and little?
0: Yeah, they were. in In my white trash Bob Ross engine block workout room with the Black Flag soundtrack on. Man, you're not selling
3: me on it. I'm not. Here's my music. My music hot take. I don't think I've listened to more than like two songs in a row since like April. (laughs) Like I'm so bored of music yeah i don't know like i don't know how to get back into it it just feels like shitty to listen to i think that's like all i did for like two months and then i'm like uh, i'm kind of burnt out
4: well i'm at least far off of that i haven't listened to a whole lot of music outside of like some of the stuff like the homework assignments here but yeah uh, i've been listening to a lot of podcasts and stuff when i listen to stuff
0: i don't know well, a lot of people weren't commuting anymore. So I actually saw numbers saying that like listening and streaming was down, da- like way down on yeah. like po- podcast numbers and like Spotify, like music stuff. I believe that. So we have a, what? We have t shirts and koozies for sale at twobeatsoffpodcast.bigcartel.com. And we are giving all the money to Music Cares, a foundation that is helping musicians and venues throughout the affected by the COVID. Nineteen crisis, which no, see almost almost seems like a silly crisis now. <laughs> now send us home, Lutz. All right, that's going to do it for this week on Two Beats Off podcast. Merch is in the back. Shit. The barricades spring up from nowhere. Pops in hell, let's find the line. Shotguns spot into your panic. Trigger fingers, what an excuse!